There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. 46% of Americans expect to leave behind financial obligations when they pass away. So it's crucial to make sure your family is financially protected. Policy Genius helps you find the right life insurance coverage by comparing options from America's top insurers with help from licensed, award-winning agents. Secure your financial future with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get free life insurance quotes in just a few clicks. That's policygenius.com. Hey, if you guys like to cook outdoors and you ought to, you should check out the Weber Slate Rust-Resistant griddle so this is a carbon steel cooktop that's safe for metal tools it's pre-seasoned with food safe oils and ready to cook on right out of the box it's the griddle that stays ready not rusty this griddle heats evenly edge to edge reaching all the way up to 500 degrees get fired up for your new weber slate rust resistant griddle It just looks like someone's false cast went way wrong, and this poor little child has a clouser just planted, like, in her tiny skull. Probably 14 inches. I mean, look at the size of his hand. Unless Screech here has got bigger mitts than I think he does. He had a razor blade earring, was about 280 pounds of thundering lard, and wore a showstopper mullet that reached past the numbers on the back of his jersey. I'd say once it got to like within 150 yards, we kind of hit the oh shit button. Like, oh, that boat is coming right at us. Good morning, degenerate anglers, and welcome to Bent, the fishing podcast that spent two grand on a 1987 Bayliner with a non-functional inboard-outboard and made priority number one, covering it in $10,000 worth of custom sea deck. I'm Joe Cermelli, and joining me today as my guest co-host is a man that needs little introduction. He's confident. He exudes street smarts. His boat is wrapped. He is Captain Ross Robertson. What's going on, Ross? I'm here. You know that wrapped boat thing and sea deck and all that? That's quite the thing now. I don't know if it means anything. but Do you have sea deck on your rig? I don't recall. I do not. I've got uh, my factory floor is rubber. That's okay. probably better for me. Because it seems like you would have the sea deck with the big water fishing carved into it. Like, I see that on every boat now, like Junkers. They have all the sea deck. So their feet are comfy, but the thing barely runs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, I, I, it, it seems like pretty good <laughs> stuff. I, I got some buddies that like it. Uh, you know, I mean, of course, the self-promotion. I love to have the big water logo on the floor. But, you know, I get rid of these boats so quickly that I don't know that I want that running around the block. I know, I know, I know. Speaking of boats uh, that you've gotten rid of, uh, I really hope uh, all you guys saw the final episode of Das Boat Northeast because Ross and I fished together in that one, and it was hands down um, my favorite of the season. In fact, a lot of people reached out with, with kind words and sort of agree with that, and I'll tell you why. So, like, you and I have known each other for so long that we can break each other's balls and it's natural. It's almost like if we're not <laughs> saying offensive shit to one another, someone must not be feeling well or something, you know? 
Yeah, you know, I had some people on, on my mom's Facebook of all things. It's like, man, you guys really <laughs> ribbed people. My mom sent me this thing. It's always a great thing. Yeah. And I was like, you know, but it, it honestly, it's it's the truest form of, of a compliment, really, because they're like, you know, I always tell people if you're in the boat and as a guide, you know, I, I see this when like two guys who were like college roommates and they don't speak for seven hours in the boat. I think it's weird. I've said it a million times. I break your balls. Cause I love you. If I'm not making fun of you, I don't, I probably don't like you. You know? Yeah. I, I, if the ribbing doesn't happen to a certain extent now, maybe sometimes we take it to a little bit of an extent. It's but, been known to happen. <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I don't really trust the guy that doesn't bust some balls in the, yeah. On the yeah. Lake. No, for sure, man. And I'll tell you what, that shoot was a lot of hard work. People don't understand the hard work behind the scenes on that, but I had fun. And, um, I mean, I had fun on all the shoots I was part of this season, but like, if you look at episode one with Ryan Callahan, like I love old Cal. Cal's the man, super fun dude to hang out with, but I don't know Cal the way I know you. Like I can't commission a line of custom fly dubbing and name one after Cal. Whereas you, I can, which is why the black, dubbing in the bent dubbing series was named ross robertson soul because i've peered into your soul over the years like i know it's genuinely that dark and i sent you a pack of that by the way any plans for that you're gonna make something or just cherish that or what ironically i was over in one of the islands eating dinner and uh this guy came over and he recognized from my fishing stuff and he was like hey are you really that guy like what do you got going on so i he wanted a business card so i go to pull out, pull out of my pocket and i just had that and you just sent it to me true story and he tried <laughs> taking it he walked off with it i literally got up and i was like yo bro no there's only one of those in existence <laughs> there's there's more than there's like three or four but regardless so get this right i had one dude reach out after i posted all those dubbings on instagram Instagram and he was like, I was really hoping when I first saw them they were Merkins. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what a Merkin is? It sounds like some type of gang hit. No, no, far from it. It's a it's a pubic wig. And I figure, well, hell, <laughs> if I figure if they were Merkins, I couldn't have sent you the black one. I would have had to send you the orange one, you know, because you're a ginger. We've all seen them on the playground, at the store, walking on the streets. They creep us out and make us feel sick to our stomachs. I'm talking, of course, about ginger kids. You know, when I was young and I started doing this, they called me the kid. Now I feel like the old man because I'm not up on all these terms. Like, there was one a guy hit me with the other day, and he's asking me because his kid started calling him something. I'm like, I'm not familiar with that one. I'm usually pretty in the know, but I think we're getting older. I, I think Merkin's actually a very old term, but we're getting way off topic with that and your body hair. Um, more, more, more importantly, you got to tell me what you've been up to, man. So I know, like, right now in the fall, this is your busy season on the walleye front. In fact, we're recording this not at 10 p.m. because you had a rare day off today, which I know doesn't happen very much uh, this time of year. Um, but if I, I, the way I look at it, like if anyone wants to know about your walleye skills, they can just watch Das Boat or the many videos we've done together in the past. I want to talk a little bit about uh, your recent southern jaunt. You put Ohio in the rear view for a bit and uh, got a little saltier than you just naturally are. Well, if anybody has ever watched any of our stuff, we've actually done some things together with Old Country Steve, me and you. You know, he's been yes. my camera boat Old driver. Old Country Steve was there for <laughs> Das Boat. He was a camera boat guy, and boy, was he extra salty. Anyway. <laughs> he is he is more salty than, I don't even know that little brand with the umbrella that sells salt. <laughs> but the long and the short is he's been my you know good friend and, and helped me with the business end of things for a long time and, and a camera boat driver what have you but he's got a place down there in the bayou and every now and then we try to sneak away and we didn't have time so we just made some right and we did some we got some bowl reds had some in the mid 30s you know we did a little bit of i mean got into some lean snapper one day we just kind of go down there and do a half a day of this half a day of that and just try to kind of explore with no agenda 
Yeah. And when you say down there, his place is like way down near Venice, Louisiana, right? Way down on the tip of the of the delta there. Yeah, I don't know if I'd say the next town because there is no such thing as well. I know, but it's still, it's, it's my point. It's one of my favorite places uh, on earth. He's maybe five or ten minutes from Venice Marina there. Okay, yeah. So basically, all he has access to is uh, I think there's a Dollar General there and maybe a gas station. I don't know. It's been a while since I've been down there. Not to digress too much, but we went to a place called um, Happy Something. Happy, it's like the Happy Store. Something. It's, it's anybody. Please let us know what the real name of this. But anyway, you go into this place and they sell pizza and groceries in the front and in the back. It is this killer hardware. I'm not kidding you. They had every dude. They had a million dollars for the stainless steel nuts and bolts and clevises. You, you name it. You could have built a boat from this place. I mean, and everything. Now I needed some five minute epoxy to take care of some stuff down there, and they of course were out of that. But the only thing I can tell you is you're not happy when you leave. You're happy when you finally actually have what you you need in the middle of nowhere. But I paid like ten dollars for super glue. Uh, this is no joke for a little well, little, little yeah, tiny man. tubes. You get that far down the delta, you may as well be in Hawaii or Alaska, man. I mean, like the only way it's getting there is by a long haul truck all the way down. So I'm not surprised by that. And it's the only game in town. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Yeah, the little tackle stores, they are very proud of their stuff. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, I mean, I saw you guys had some giant bulls there. I was super hella jealous because, um, honestly, man, I haven't caught a bull like those, sadly, since I was in Pensacola, Florida with you shooting a video years ago, and it was one of the most insane top water bites ever, just walls of copper charging ahead uh, to mow down a huge tuna popper. Um, and my favorite part of that old, that was an old hook shots video. My favorite part of that video was that for your sit down interviews, I insisted that you wear a hat we found in Walmart that just said, get over yourself. Do you still have that hat? You know, you coaxed me into it, but it, you know, the thing with me is I don't really, it doesn't, it, there's no shame. Like I was like, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I'll do that. No, I don't, I don't recall it that way. Cause you had sponsor obligations, but I'll let it slide. It was a no, fight. No, no. You're like you. We we made a side agreement, which we're sure as hell not going to talk about here. And I was like, no problem, dude. This is because I, I think it's funny. So I'm I'm always I'm always down for a good ribbing and having some fun, whether it's at my expense or yours or somebody else's. But if you remember, we were planning on wearing that hat, like where's Waldo, and just having it show up randomly. Yes. And somehow it was lost, and I, I actually attempted to find another one. I can promise you, Pensacola Walmart had the last one because I couldn't <laughs> find it. <laughs> There must be a hot item down there. That's a shame you lost the hat. It was a great hat. Uh, but look, man, speaking of getting over yourself, let's roll into some uh, nibbles and sips, our new segment where the Bent Legions can have their voices heard because we've got a question today uh, that I'm curious to hear Ross Robertson's take on. I just called to say it is a new era <laughs> of loneliness. Oh, God. So I just want to say I've got some really fun and funny voice memos from you guys uh, in the pipeline that you're going to hear in future shows. But today's comes from my bud Tyler Winter out in Minnesota, and I chose it simply because um, I think it's a solid question for for me and, and Ross Defarius here to answer and sort of kick around. Uh, but Tyler is an environmental scientist. And Tyler, I got to be straight, bro. Like, you kind of deliver this like the guy that raised his hand in the audience of a lecture. Okay, I'm just saying. So here's Tyler's question. Hey, Joe, it's Tyler here with a nibble and sips for you. I've noticed a certain animosity between boat and bank anglers. Just wondering, in your opinion, how far boats should stay away from people who are fishing from the shore? 
Let me know what you think. So it's a fair question. And as you'll soon learn, there's another reason why I chose it. Um, But I get the sense that Tyler is asking it partially because I know he's a big time bank fisherman and has probably been crowded by a boat or two. But I don't know, man, like my gut reaction answer is you should be nowhere near a bank angler ever because, you know, like you have a boat and he doesn't. And even if you were headed to a particular bank, like that's where you were dying to fish. If dude's there fishing from shore, sorry, you leave. Like, it sucks, but you leave. And at minimum, like bare minimum, you should be well out of casting distance. But even that's probably too close. Immediately, this brought up like two two things. And I think it goes back to a life thing to me. Whenever you're in a group, you know what I mean? You're like, yeah, yeah, we're right. It doesn't matter. Forget fishing for a second. For sure. And I can remember as a young kid, had no boat. I mean, young kid, not old enough to drive. My grandpa used to drive me up in the fall, and I'd fish off these piers in southern Michigan, which is like right near my house where I grew up there. And when guys would come in in small boats, you were like, what the hell, bro? You got the whole Lake Erie, and you got to be up on this pier? And there's like no one else, you know, for miles. And then, you know, we started waiting in it, and then that pissed off the boat guys and, you know, the shore guys, so we tried to go away a little bit. But then when you catch fish and they're not, and then I think of just, like, every day when I drive um, on the place I live here on the lake down in Port Clinton, there's a little culvert, and it's really easy to access, and I know you know right where this is at. Yeah. There's... There's there's a there's always a pile of guys there, but the funny thing is, is you will see these like hundred thousand dollar bass boats roll in there dirty, and they are fishing this culvert, which is like you have literally the entire Lake Erie and just tens of miles of, of all this stuff, and it's like, dude, those things they have that's the most pressure on the entire lake, and yeah. these dudes want to fish that. So yeah, well, I mean, the problem, of course, right, is that this is also very situational. Like as an example. Um, This is a constant fight between wading anglers and those on drift boats. Like on a smaller river, even though you have a boat, it can be very difficult to keep your distance or simply move along because in some cases, and I'm thinking of like the eastern salmon rivers here, uh, the, the, the fish are mostly where the bank anglers are. Like there might not be any between where those guys are and the next group of guys are. Um, on, on a, a lake or larger river where you have room to roam, different story. But I've been the victim of this both ways. I've been crowded out by drift boats while steelhead and trout fishing, and I've been yelled at while rowing, even though I thought I gave dudes plenty of room. But I, I think Tyler is definitely speaking more to these larger bodies of water. Um, and I, I, I remember years ago, I was walleye fishing, of all things, on Lake McConaughey in Nebraska. And I remember our guide saying that during the spawn, when the walleyes hug the dam, it's straight war between boaters and the shore guys because the boaters want to troll in super tight to the wall. He's like, they want their 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 crankbaits like bouncing off the wall and it creates like absolute chaos. And I know situations like that exist throughout the country. Like other than this culvert, like do you deal with any of that in the, in the walleye scene in particular in the Great Lakes? You know, as a kid, again, fishing in the Maumee River, you know, it's damn near knee deep and there's a few holes. It kind of reminds me of a very non-walleye situation right and there's a handful of guys that try to come out there in little boats and everything but i mean you literally just it's a prop buster so that kind of but i would say just night fishing you know our peers out here especially now because they got this quarter million dollar big fish tournament going on in the fall over like 50 60 days or something right so it, night fishing would be the only time that we have this kind of warfare deal and, and we still have it out in boats too i mean the sure. sportsmanship and fishing is absolutely shit now it's right. it's, yeah. it's, it's almost a joke yeah and see, here's here's the thing that I think. So let's say you're drifting, right? Like, this is not my deal and I don't care. But let's say you're in your drift boat and you're going on a 5, 10-mile drift. 
and there are dudes that are randomly fishing from shore, and you make an effort to get out of their way, but the river's only so damn big. Right. Like, in my scenario where I think it's just asshole city is because we're talking about, like, the Great Lakes. Like, you can go somewhere else, right? Yeah. And, and these dudes will see, especially because we do a lot of filming, and when you see a light come on at night, like, guys are like, A, he's got a fish on. B, I need to be there. And they yep. will dive bomb you. I mean, I, the stories I could tell you about people dive bombing when we were filming is insane. Like, in the middle of nowhere in Lake Erie, and a boat will see a light come on, and they will drive wide open and drive on top of you in five, six feet of water. I mean, the safety yeah. alone. Well, yeah, I mean, well, safety's the thing, right? To that end, the nastiest dust-up I've ever seen between shore and boat anglers um, was actually out in Montauk, New York, many years ago, and we were chasing these striper schools around, and mind you, we're not talking about big ones, like 20, 30-pounders. We're talking about these l- dinky little schoolies. And they pushed in super tight to the beach. And most boats, ours included, was like, hell no. Like, we're not going in that close to chase these little rats. The waves were just too big. It was too shallow. But there's always going to be that one guy, right? He's always there. And this dude went for it. The surf casters were going absolutely ballistic. And sure enough, he got side two and almost got rolled. And we thought for sure that boat was going to end up on the beach. And he had a kid on the boat, which was even scarier. And they 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 barely made it out. Like we we were certain that this wasn't going to end well. Uh, I mean, they were just straight vertical, you know, jumping, breaking waves. Just stupid. And for what? Like for 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 two more schoolie stripers and everyone else is catching. Actually, I've got a quick funny story. So we're out in the middle of nowhere in Lake Erie, which obviously, as you know, I try to do. Yeah. And you've been with me. And if they've watched DOS boat, you know, you're pulling these planer boards 50, 75 feet out to each side. And I had this boat zoom in and he kept getting so close. I'm like, what's this guy doing? Like, does he need help? You know what I mean? Yeah, and then all yeah. of a sudden he rolls in next to me and I thought he was DNR or something at that point, like undercover. And I'm like, but I know a lot of those guys. So I'm like, ah, probably not it. And you know, this guy is inside of my boards, probably 20 feet off my boat. Like I could have straight underhanded a Snickers bar to him. Right. Right. <laughs> and, and the, I look at the guy and I'm like, and you know how, like, again, I mean, business end of things, wrap the boat as you joke. I'm kind of like, dude, are you okay? What's up, man? Uh, seriously? And the guy was like, hey, I watch all your stuff. I've always wanted to fish against you. And he starts letting out lines. Against you. Fish against, against you. Not he with starts, you, against you. Against. He, so oh. he starts letting out lines that are literally, I'm like, I said, dude, you're literally letting out your stuff on top of my lines. Like, what do you, do? I said, if you want to have a tournament with me, like sign up for a tournament. I'm like, dude, I got a couple people out here that are paying, you know, this is their payday. They're, this is a guide trip, dude. Yeah. And my clients, thankfully, I had kind of the right dudes. I can't say exactly what they did, but let's just say that that guy kind of probably didn't have the rest of the tournament he wanted. (laughs) Okay. Well, we'll save that for a smooth moves later or maybe an off the record smooth moves over four loco or something. Yeah. Four loco. People seem to love that. But, you know, just the gall of people with, again, you're, you're arguing like, hey, did I get out of this guy's way enough? I'm in a river where I had no choice. Like, here's this guy purposely driving on top of you. And I think that, unfortunately, everyone doesn't want to hear the reality, but reality is that is becoming more and more prevalent it just yeah. is yeah sadly it is anyway i appreciate the question tyler though I'm, i mean i'm not entirely sure there's a solid answer here um but i almost i almost feel like it's less about figuring out the rules and putting rules on these things and more about being you know just like a decent human being even though you know sometimes we don't feel like it um i mean i can't stand you know people that choose to ride bikes on windy ass country roads with no shoulder but like, you know, he's on a bike and I'm in a car, so I have to I have to take the high road. Uh, I want the side view to just, like, kiss his elbow a little bit, but that's that's too risky, you know? Wow. 
<laughs> anyway, please keep those voice memos coming. You can send them to bent at the com or to me over DM on Instagram. Uh, that's fine too. I have some solid ones, like I mentioned, in the chamber ready for future shows. And all those people will get swagged out when their soundbite airs. If you want to get swagged out when your soundbite airs, first you have to just go ahead and send a voice memo. So as soon as we roll into this week's smooth moves, you will understand uh, even more why I chose uh, Tyler's question for nibbles and sips. So I got to ask you, Ross, what's the closest you've ever come to being hit by another boat, whether bodily or like your boat being crashed into? Um, what is zero feet for a thousand, Alex? <laughs> <laughs> Detroit River. Detroit River doing a promotional stuff with some companies I work with. And you know how like you're running the motor and you're trying to stay vertical uh, up there. Yeah. And so the guys were behind there and this dude kept rolling over on us. Now, granted, you do have to fish those little seams and stuff a little bit. But the Detroit River, like, you know, I mean, it's big. And one of the guys netted a fish and he's got his rod and the boat came so close that he actually broke my guy's rod. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. So, anyway, well, so, okay, that's that's good. But this story in Smooth Moves, uh, it will make you pucker. And if you're still wondering how close is too close for a boat to be to a shorebound angler, my good friend and artist Mike Sudall is about to tell you. Why did you do that? Why? Why did you do that, Terry? Oh, my God. Joining us for Smooth Moves today, uh, one of my, my old good buddies, Artist Mike Sudall is here. What's going on, Mikey? Nothing much, pal. Thanks for having me. Mikey and I are doing some fishing together later this fall, which I'm looking forward to because I haven't seen you in person since uh, last winter. Tog fishing for uh, B-Side when we, that's when right. we filmed that. Yeah, but, that's uh, right, man. Those of you unfamiliar with Mike, man, Mike, I've been, I've been making Mike draw me shit for years now. I'm just like... I need this. I'm going to call Mike. But Mike did draw our uh, fish-eating, fish-eating fish logo that's on all our uh, fish-eating, fish-eating fish sweatshirts and T-shirts <laughs> and things in the Meat Eater store. Um, uh, but, uh, I mean, with among many other things. What are you working on now? You're always – your full-time job is not fishiness, but you're always working on something fishy. Like, what are you working on right uh, now? I got, I got some sneaky, sneaky stuff coming up uh, that I, I, I can't talk about yet, but – what do you mean you can't you can't talk? It's fishy stuff you can't talk about. <laughs> well, you know, I, it, TBD. But uh, on the easel right now, I got a nice big Patagonia brown I'm painting for a for a client, and it's nice. a, dude. It's 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 a it's a horse, man. It's a big big fish. Uh, how how is it living vicariously through clients? Like you've never been to Patagonia and caught that, but you have to draw it for that man. It, you know what? It's a lot of googling. <laughs> I don't people real like people don't realize. You know, it's you could just take the photo and draw the fish, but you know, I got to learn about it. So I got to look up, you know, is that fish unique? You know, what, what what's going on with the anatomy? You know, there's certain spots, certain way, you know, so yeah. it's kind of fun. It, it makes you really want to get there and see it in person. Well, you've definitely piqued my interest with this super secret uh, fish fish project right now, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, but we've been fishing together for a lot of years. You've fished a lot of places, as have I. Yeah. Uh, but you're a Northeast guy like me. And I, I remember hearing hints of the story that you're going to tell today. Um, and it's a good one. And because you draw fish, I'm calling you industry. Smooth moves is usually like all industry dudes. You're industry. You draw gotcha. fish for a lot of people, so you qualify. Um, and this is one that'll make your 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 butt your butthole pucker. So take <laughs> us back to that night. Tell us where you were, what you were doing, and what the hell happened. You you got it. So uh, so yeah, this is going back a few years. Uh, we're fi I'm fishing the 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 bay side of Sandy Hook. 
Which, um, yeah, North Jersey. You know, yep. North Jersey. And uh, I was with a guy from Brooklyn, actually, a guy named Mike, which uh, it's a lot of mics in Brooklyn. I've, I've, so I've heard. <laughs> I don't, he's never, he never fished with me again after this night. This is the first time we fished together. He wanted to check out Jersey and I had, I had a, some fish dialed in on the backside. So there's this long sandbar and uh, it's not a spot burn. I mean, my God, this is going back. Uh, Sandy Hook is time, not a spot so. burn. Like nah, the tip nah, of nah. Sandy Hook, every surf fisherman on the East Coast knows about that. Hey, so. Amen. Look at a map and you're going to, you, you know what I'm talking about, but there's a long sandbar juts out into uh, Sandy Hook Bay and uh, we're out there. It's probably 1 a.m. in the morning. And we're, you know, these fish are holding this rip. You got to walk out pretty far to the end of this sandbar, but there's usually some fish out there. And um, there's a lot of, there's, you know how it is in the middle of the night. It's super calm, flat, yeah. dark. You could hear things miles away. And the occasional boat you hear, you know, they're going up and down the Navisink. Just so we know, what, what time of year is this? Because it's striper season, but what, what month was it? This was the fall. This was the fall. Okay, I think. so yeah, still yeah, a fair amount fall. of boat traffic. I'm saying it wasn't like late season oh, December. No, no, no. No, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But you know, one a.m. You don't get too many boats. Sure. Um, yes, usually. <laughs> so we're out there for probably a good hour, casting away, not catching anything, and uh, you know, you hear a boat, one of the few boats you hear of that night buzzing, and uh, you know, just kind of randomly, Mike says to me, "Dude, is that is that boat coming towards us?" And I look out, you know, it's a pretty far away. You can kind of see it's running lights. I'm like, no, 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 it's going to, it's going to cut, go up to the Navisink river, probably into one of the harbors or marinas and we're casting, casting. So again, the boat just keeps getting louder and louder and I'm looking. And then again, this guy, Mike's like, dude, I think that boat's coming towards us. I'm like, it's impossible. There's a, there's land behind us from a sandbar. But as I'm watching the boat, it's coming closer, close, <laughs> full out. It's not wide open, it's going right. wide open, wide open. So I'd say once it got to like within 150 yards, we kind of hit the oh shit button. Like, oh, that boat is coming right at us. Yeah. So we turn and start, <laughs> try to run up the sandbar against the tide. No, to not get back not to the easy, beach. not easy to not do. Easy. Yeah. And the whole time we're running, I'm watching the boat and the boat's turning towards us as we're going up the sandbar. So it's oh. following us full out, wide open. So <laughs> at the very last moment, the boat's probably 20, 15 yards from us. I just decided, well, I'm on the outside of the bar. He's inside of me. Instead of us falling, to, I'm going to turn, I'm doubling back. So I turned and I ran back down the bar, back yeah. offshore. Yeah, yeah. I figured I'll let the boat choose. Who's he going to get, me or him? You know, he's got to pick one of us. <laughs> So as I turn, the boat shot right between us over the sandbar and right up to the right up the beach. Yeah, so it's so it split you guys. It split us. And, and how we far were, apart were you and Mike? Oh, uh, we were. I mean, I, I when we were running up the bar, I could hit him with my rod. We were that close. So oh my when I God, turned, dude. it was. So the guy. I mean, I hear girls scream. The boat hits hits the hits the sand. I hear the guy hit it in reverse and just wide open hit it. You know, yeah, hit the throttle. Yeah. Jumps off the back of the boat with the throttle going and is trying to pull the boat into the water. He's trying to pull it backwards with the prop spinning with the prop in the sand. spinning. Yeah. And, the, and oh. they were talking, the boat's on the beach, but the prop's in maybe like three feet of water. Okay, right. You so know? It's, a, it's a deep yeah. drop there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we run over and I kind of went, I kind of just grabbed him by the shoulder and pull him back. I'm like, yo, yo you, you're going to lose your legs, you know, like you're standing back here by this prop. I mean, you want to knock the guy out, but yeah, what, you know, immediately- yeah. Immediately, you could tell he was hammered. Yeah. And yeah. it was a, a guy and two girls. They were all hammered. I don't know what they were hammered on. It wasn't just alcohol. They were looped up. 
Could have been Zima. I don't know how long ago this was, you know. Little uh, Jolly Rancher in there. <laughs> right. Um, so, Mike knows how to party. So, of course, the, <laughs> the, the first thing we say to him, like, what the hell was that? And he was like, whoa, dude, whoa, he kept saying. And I was like, what? You, you, you tried to run us over. And he said, man, I thought you guys were buoys. Ah. Buoys? Didn't you see the land right behind us? Like, even if you thought we were buoys, you're going to go right into the land, you know? So, so did you have your headlamps on? I did not. You know what? We took his truck, and I did not have my lamp. You know, you know what happens when you switch cars to go on a fishing trip? And yeah, oh, it's you, a bad deal. That's always a bad deal. Over. You're like, I'm just going to jump in with my boy, and then halfway there, you're like, here's 10 reasons why I shouldn't have, have done that. Yeah, yep. okay. Did not have a headlamp. So another, Didn't have then, cell phones back but then. But then all he saw was silhouettes. Silhouettes. So it wasn't like you were both standing there with headlamps on. No, we were yelling, running. Yeah, but we were splashing, you know? I mean, we we're doing everything we can. Yeah, and, and, and terrified. And uh, and yeah, man, he. Uh, I, we just left him. You know, it's funny because I think we had cell phones, but I, you know, it wasn't like he had an iPhone. I think I'm, I left my phone in the car. Yeah. So it wasn't like I was going to go call anybody. We just were like, oh, that's fish in Jersey for you. <laughs> so what was the outcome, man? I mean, did you, like, did the cops end up there or what, what happened to the guy? We just left him. We left him on the beach, which was, that's you know, very, that's very Jersey. That's that very- right. <laughs> <laughs> I told this guy, Mike, I'm like, this guy, I'm out. Before. Yeah. It's his, pro- it's his problem. It's his problem, <laughs> Mike. Yeah. He almost killed us. You know, I mean, we probably should have called somebody, but you know, if you had your, if you had your iPhone back then, you would have just picked it right out of your pocket and called, but. You know, it was a long, by the time you, you you walk the, however long it took to get back to the truck and get your stuff off, you're like, you just kind of think about how crazy it was by then. We well, just yeah, back then, dude, if you were to carry your cell phone, it would have been like an extra five pounds in your exactly. surf bag, like the Nokia brick days. Yeah, you would sneeze and it would get waterlogged, you know? Well, I, I, I would bet that one might have made at least a small blurb in the paper the next morning because there's a strong chance he was still there when the sun came up. <laughs> Yeah, seriously. I should have went back for the next tide. I've never had anything that close call before, although I have had boats coming dead at me while I was on a jetty. You know okay. what I'm saying? Shark yeah. River jetty and things like that. And you're like, y- your gut is always like, no, he's not. He's going to turn. It's not going <laughs> to, this is not going to happen. And then just wham, bow right up on the rocks. Um, Whammo. But I was never in a position where I was like, he might run me over. Yeah. So yeah. that one's uh, pretty pucker worthy. If I didn't turn around that last second, man, he would have he would have definitely hit one of us. That's for sure. Not both of us. You know, Joe, there are so many things wrong with with that deal. Oh like, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, I it's kind of like one of those things. Like, I, I didn't know what the officer was going to give me a ticket for, but uh, I knew I was going to get one. <laughs> I, drinking just causes a lot of bad things. Like, I like to have a good time. Right. But so like, do I. I don't drink, I do I don't drink in the boat. Like that's a bad deal. They are probably out in the sun too much and it hits you hard. They're like, Oh, just it's one beer. And then wink, wink, sprinkle, sprinkle. <laughs> I I'll tell you, man, you know, they say drinking and fishing go hand in hand. Like it's kind of like the old thing, like go, you know, drinking with, with a beer. Uh, I don't know if I've ever said this on this show before. And maybe some people will, will, I don't know, think less of me, like drinking and fishing never go hand in hand for me. Like when I'm out fishing, I'm there to fish. If I want to get if I want to get drunk, I'll stay home on the porch with a cooler and get drunk. Like maybe a cold beer on the way in from a long ride offshore, but otherwise, like that's just not it just never goes hand in hand. Boating or fishing and drinking. 
it, it's a bad deal. I've seen an awful lot of guide trips ruined because the guys went out the night before instead of the night after. It's like, dude, we aren't going to be out here until midnight. Like, Yeah, you can go to the bar later. Exactly, exactly. Anyway, if that story made you at all nervous, um, remember, you weren't nearly as nervous as Hayden Samick is right now because he's about to square off with me in Fish News. Fish News! That escalated quickly. Couple things before we get started. Uh, I got to give a shout out to listener Kyle Purnell, who won the complete set of bent theme dubbing we were giving away. Uh, I had asked you guys to to show us something homemade on Instagram using those bent podcast and degenerate angler hashtags, and we had a strong showing of all kinds of homemade stuff. We had a NASCAR theme lore, I think, or maybe it was like a Days of Thunder theme lore. Uh, lore. I don't really remember. Are you a Days of Thunder fan? I don't know what that is, Joe. Oh, your homework for this weekend is to watch Days of Thunder and report back. Anyway, um, we had some some rod holders, <laughs> some spearing decoys, and a lot of flies. But Kyle repurposed tiny foam carrots from his kids' craft supply and used them as foam bodies for sort of like Mr. Wiggly-style flies. And the dad and me loved that, as did the fly tire, because they were just too perfect, right? I don't know if you saw those. I assume you did. Like They were the perfect size and perfect shape, and they came in a ton of different colors. And you know his son had already stuck, like, the foam dinosaurs and sharks and shit all over. But that kid, he, the kid doesn't want the carrots. He doesn't want the carrots. So that was a win. Like, what a frugal thing to do, you know? You know, I saw those, and I was like, they should sell those at fly shops. If you packaged that carrot up, and, and it was, like, by hairline dubbing in a fly shop, oh. you could that people would pay 8 bucks a pack for them. Yeah, for sure. They it looked great. It, it yeah. looked like that was the intended purpose of that. Uh, yes. You know, a, a lot of my buddies are having kids and never have time to fish anymore. But mm-hmm. I guess every now and then, uh, a kid is actually beneficial to your fishing. Rarely, but sometimes. Well, rarely, rarely. But I mean, the other day, <laughs> the other day, you were talking about how dragon tails were kind of born out of a shitty toy. That's true. Dragon Tails, Orvis Dragon Tails, yeah, they were a, 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 a crappy toy called a squirrel that like you'd throw in a you know, gift bag at a little kitty birthday party at the yeah. bowling alley. Terrible toy, but uh Dave Mangum, you know, figured out that they make great tarpon flies. So yeah, for sure. But I also I have to give one more shout out to listener Tim Rogers. He sent us pictures of his little girl, and what Tim does is he'll tie a clouser, if you can picture this, and and other streamers. Um, on like on bobby pins instead of hooks. He'll put a bobby oh, pin right that. in the vice so that she can wear them in her hair. But if you don't know that that's what Tim has done, it just looks like someone's false cast went way wrong and this poor little <laughs> child has a clouser just planted like in her tiny skull. And it's, it's, it's hysterical. But I also, I love the idea so much, I'm doing this with my daughter. Like she is about some fly tying and we'll eat this up. Um, and we actually debated hard between Tim's photo and Kyle's and decided that while cute, the hair clips just aren't technically helping you catch fish. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. But I did send Tim some stickers for the honorable mention. Well, that is some hardcore uh, girl dad shit. And that, <laughs> I, I love that, man. Stuff like that just makes me happy. There, yes. There's something about that I just love. Yeah, you might. I posted the pictures this week on Instagram. Uh, it's super cute, super funny. Um, But anyway, last thing, we'll try and do this quickly before we get in the news, but I feel like we have to. Um, A lot of you guys reached out regarding the trot line story from last week. Uh, But if there was a theme to a lot of those messages, it was this. The part of the Nolichucky River in Tennessee in question where the trot liners were set up, you guys are telling me is far better known for its whitewater rafting 
smallmouth fishing and musky fishing. Like it's shallow, fast water. And multiple people told me it like it's kind of shitty for catfish. You know what I mean? Like everyone I heard from was pretty much on the side of the kayakers for cutting the line. Um, and while the trot line dudes still weren't doing anything wrong or illegal, it's not like they couldn't do this in that place. Everybody seems to agree it was pretty poor form where they set up, where they did it. And and people are like, I don't even know, are there even catfish in that part of the river? Or or are there enough to even load up a trot line? So slightly shady, but that was that was sort of the feedback I got, you know? Yeah, man. It it, it kind of seems more and more like this trot line might have been set up to like prove a point or yeah. something. Yeah. yeah I, I don't know. I'm kind of over this story. Uh, but but <laughs> I hope folks <laughs> I hope folks just like look at this as a model of what not to do to like stand up for your fishing rights. Sure. You sure. Know, we're, we're all out here. And at the end of the day, we're recreating too, right? Mm-hmm. So we're all out here. And the more us fishermen do to respect the folks using the river for their own forms of recreation, uh, you know, the more likely we are to get that same respect back, you know, and that's important. Uh, unless they're tubing with Bluetooth speakers. I, I, I hate that. You should slash those tubes. Dude, you know how many free Bluetooth waterproof speakers I've gotten from companies over the years? And I just like, thanks. And like, send it to Goodwill. Like, I don't use them for anything oh, ever. I, I just, I, I never use them. Anyway, let's move along. Uh, we're getting long-winded here. Remember, this is a competition. Hayden and I do not know which juicy news story the other guy has grabbed. So I must say, now that we're only hitting two stories, the game of chess has gotten a little tougher. And who leads off matters, because if you're not leading, which I'm not this week, you have to pick your story based on the one you you do not think the other guy is going to grab, um, especially on a week like this, with, with several dandies to choose from. Um, but as always, our beloved audio engineer, Phil, will examine both of our dandies and declare a news winner, <laughs> Floor... <laughs> Did you just say Phil Floor was going to examine sir. our dandies, man? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What nice. you got? So uh, the, the dandy that I will be offering up for Phil's examination is... Please. Uh, <laughs> so this week in Fish News, Kansas has a new state record alligator gar, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. Danny Lee Butch Smith II... Uh, he was fishing for catfish on the Neosho River when he caught something very unexpected. So unexpected, in fact, that he couldn't immediately identify uh, what he had in the bottom of his boat. So to that end, Butch gets to posting his catch on a Facebook catfishing group called Whisker Seekers, which mm-hmm. might be my favorite detail of this whole story. But while, <laughs> while the consensus was... <laughs> It just makes me happy to know that there is a Facebook group out there called Whisker Seekers Revolving Around Catfish. Yeah, I also think Danny Lee Butch Smith was the guitarist in the Marshall Tucker Band for a time, like 76, <laughs> 77. But I could be wrong off Just for the tour. Yeah. While, <laughs> while the consensus was that Butch had obviously landed some sort of guard, the exact species uh, was the subject of a spirited debate. So old Butch takes it to the Kansas department of wildlife and parks. And the biologists are pretty much stunned. It appeared to be an alligator gar. Yeah. Uh, the fish came in at about four and a half foot long and 40 ish pounds. And as far as alligator gar go, uh, this one wasn't huge. 
They right. Can, By Texas standards, that's that's like you're no. not even on the board. Yeah, it's still they, a big fish. Yes, they, I mean, they can get to over eight foot long and weigh yep. like a couple hundred pounds, but it was huge for Kansas. In fact, any alligator gar is huge for Kansas because alligator gar aren't supposed to live in Kansas at all. Right. Uh, according to a press release from the Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks, there has never been another report of an alligator gar being caught in Kansas history. So, yeah, seeing an alligator gar in Kansas is about as surprising as seeing an actual alligator. <laughs> yeah, and I got to tell you, so I, I looked at this one, and I was worried you were going to grab it, and I was right. Um, I mean, their range used to be so much broader than where they are now that uh, initially I just assumed that they had been in Kansas and yeah. just hadn't seen one there in a very long time. Yeah. I, I learned something. I did not realize they were never native to Kansas. Didn't know that. Never native to Kansas. So it, it, this this all begs the question, how did the gar get into the Neosho River in the first place? Um, one theory is that it was part of some sort of formal reintroduction effort as a lot of these like kind of like historic fish tend to be, right? Like alligator sure. gar. Yeah. You know, you hear a lot of people reference them as living fossils, right? Over 100 million years old and native mm-hmm. to all sorts of waterways. And just really an interesting fish and worth reintroducing to their native range. Um, but upon further inspection, Butch's gar wasn't tagged. There weren't any identifying markers that you would expect to find uh, should it have been part of a formal reintroduction effort. So, sure. yeah. So that eliminated that theory. Um, another theory was that this was either like a case of bucket biology or someone dumping a uh, dumping a pet. Yeah. Yeah. So when the local Fox News station wrote this up, they got a hold of uh, the KDWP Fisheries Division Director, Doug Nigren. Nigren? Does that look right to you? Not slippy? Slappy? Samsonite? <laughs> Two in a row. <laughs> nice. Uh, <laughs> who said, it's not unlikely that this fish was once somebody's pet or purchased from a pet store and simply released into the river once it became too large. Now, I, I, I'm not sure how much I believe that. Just, I, yeah. Just for the simple fact that I have no idea where the hell, you know, what the hell kind of pet shop sells an alligator gar. Yeah. And, and I mean, I can't, I can't, like, I'm not the expert on that either. I've seen a lot of gar in tanks in a lot of places. Chinese restaurant down the street has gar in tanks. Kids love it. But they're certainly not gator gar. Um, no. So, yeah, I, I'd say the same thing. I'm not saying that that doesn't happen. But I've certainly yeah. never seen it. I've never known them as being part of the aquarium trade. It's always much smaller gar species. Yeah, you know? but I mean, you know, then again, I, I do remember a pet shop back home in Pennsylvania that used to sell like actual alligators when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I guess anything's possible. Um, yeah, now, yeah, now that you mentioned it, there was one in Jenkintown, PA. Like, you can get any kind of turtle you wanted, even though yep. you weren't supposed to have any turtles. <laughs> they, were just, they were just there. What do you want? You get them in a little Chinese food to-go container. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, not not outside the realm of possibility, but I agree. It's not a common aquarium fish. Yeah. Now, the last kind of theory, uh, you know, they're not excluding the idea that the gar somehow naturally found its way into the Neosho. Um it wouldn't be that far-fetched, being that there are some alligator gar in like neighboring states like Illinois, mm-hmm. uh, except for the fact that this gar would have had to overcome a series of like dams that would make a steelhead blush and, yeah. and, and, and other obstacles to get to where this fish was eventually caught by, uh, 
Oh, Butch. That's what I was wondering, too. Like, I don't really know anything about the Neo show. I didn't really look that deep into it, but that was yeah. the first thing that came to my mind is, does it connect? Like, is there a way? Does it ultimately connect somewhere, you know, to, to known Gar water? Yeah. I mean, Gar tend to thrive in, like, fairly oxygen-like poor environments. Like, that doesn't really bother him, right? Right. So, like, it wouldn't have surprised me if, like, you know, perhaps there had been, like, a neighboring, like, system that might have had some gar and with, like, some flooding it came over on, like, a floodplain or something like that. Or, or you know, it, it, it seemed like perhaps there was, like, a way. But l- looking into it, it, it just does not seem as if that's, like, really a plausible idea. They're kind of just not ruling it out until, like, you know, they do the research on it. Yeah, and especially if, if all those dams didn't have fish ladders, which, like, it's questionable how well they work anyway, right? Yeah. But if they mm-hmm. don't all have one, then I don't know. But it, it's it's fascinating nonetheless. Right. So the way that they, uh, you know, now it con- kind of comes to the question of how they're going to identify you know, the origins of this fish. So I'm going to read a little bit from the press release here just because they summed it up more succinctly than I'd yammer about it. But uh, (laughs) to quote the press release, uh, they said that because most populations of this species can be distinguished from one another with a sample of the fish's fins, another option we are there considering is genetic identification, said KDWP Assistant Director of Fisheries Research, Jeff Koch. This will tell us if the fish came from an existing population in another state. If genetic testing doesn't pan out, not all hope is lost. KDWP fisheries biologists would still have one more option. Microchemistry is another technique at our disposal, Koch added. Microchemistry is performed by measuring the elemental proportion of a bone on a given fish and comparing it to the elemental concentration of surrounding water. If consistencies exist, the data may be able to help fisheries biologists determine at least how long the fish had been in the Neosho River. Hmm. So that's from their press release. For my money, I'm going to guess that the gar was caught like somewhere else, like relatively, you know, proximal to uh, sure. to the Neosho, and got dumped in the river once some dude and his buddies were done messing around with it. You know, those like I said earlier, those fish are real tough and it wouldn't surprise me at all to find out one survived a ride in a pickup bed and made a home wherever it got dumped sure i mean that's that's very plausible like you said i i mean i've i've caught them down in texas some giants and um short of uh, of putting an arrow through them or a spear or something right they're like almost impossible to kill like I, they they can they can breathe out of water for a time, I think as long as they're kept wet, they can live in in very little water. And the guides I used to fish with down there would be like, oh, it wasn't uncommon because uh, people would limb line for catfish and inadvertently catch them. Yeah. He's like, we'd catch them. You could tell their head was like beaten in with a bat and like th- somebody took some chops at their head with an ax and they were doing just fine. So one yeah. of the toughest fish on the planet. Yeah, they, 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 those are awfully hardy fish. Anyway, so what became of the alligator gar? It's the well, best part. <laughs> I, I do. I do like this. Well, if you've seen the pictures, it's obvious uh, it was not released. Biologists took out the otolith for ID, and uh, Butch was allowed to keep the carcass, which it sounds like he plans to have beetle cleaned and put in a display case. Hmm. Hmm. I so I I watched the the news clip, like the news report. I love Butch. 
I kind of want I want to hang out with Butch. Like, oh yeah. But Butch is like super backwoods. Like he he spent most of the interview shirtless, which is fine. But it's like, dude, you're on the news right now. Like, but he just did not care. And they kept panning as he's talking about the guard head. They kept just panning to it, like zooming in for a tight shot. And dude, it's just covered in flies. And it's just like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's got a pretty cool skull. I'm gonna do the thing, and I'm. Just, it's just like rotting away. There's like flies uh, it's just been, consuming the eyeballs of the yeah. fish. It, it's it's obvious that it had been sitting on the dock for a little bit. And uh, yeah, I, I would be surprised if that ends up getting traditionally uh, beetle cleaned. I think it might just, uh, I think the birds Sun, might sun do bleached the job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah the, uh, either way, I, either way I, I would love to think that this story uh, sort of pointed to maybe some, some expansion of, of Gator Gar range. Uh, but my money is that that science is gonna gonna link it to a relatively close population. I think it's a total fluke, like you said. Somehow, some way, we may never know, but it, it ended up there completely by accident. Um, because you got to remember too, man, these things gulp air, right? Like yeah. that's just a natural function. So if if Butch is fishing this water all the time for many many years, which it says he had, if there's more gar in there. They're gonna give themselves away at a certain point. Sure. One can hide, but if there's a bunch of gar in this piece of river, somebody, even if it wasn't him, at some point would have been like, "What the hell was that?" Or "What is over there breathing?" Or "What just boiled away from a distance and made this huge push of water?" So, I'm guessing it's a one-off, but um, we shall see. Yeah, I, I would think so. You know, I think uh, if there's one thing I do know, is that we ought to have Butch on for a smooth move sometime. I think so. I think so. he's probably got a smooth moves about trying to clean he's that, got a couple too. that gar skull. You know what I mean? Probably ruined a perfectly good uh, Dutch oven or something on the back fire trying to boil all the skin off or something. Nice. Who knows? Hey, if you guys like to cook outdoors and you ought to, you should check out the Weber Slate Rust Resistant Griddle. Now, this, this is a good innovation here and it solves a real problem, Okay. So this is a carbon steel cooktop that's safe for metal tools, like a griddle on your grill. It's pre-seasoned with food-safe oils and ready to cook on right out of the box. There's no use of coatings, okay? You can use metal tools to flip, press, and scrape without worry. It's the griddle that stays ready, not rusty. Now, everything, the problem with griddles, everything rusts. No one talks about how bad everything rusts. Uh, the reason they don't because they couldn't fix it until now. Well, Weber's new rust-resistant technology, your Weber grill will last for years. When used, the carbon steel griddle hardens and bonds the surface, reducing the ability for moisture to collect and rust to form. With the new Weber Works Prep Cook and Store System, you can keep cooking and cleaning supplies handy, carry food and condiments from the kitchen to the griddle, and even convert the side table into a prep station. Get fired up for your new Weber Slate rust-resistant griddle. You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in? You crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land? Well, maybe it's time to find your own piece of the wild. But searching for property can be a maze. That's where land.com comes in. They got millions of listings across the country, from mountain ranches to hidden fishing holes. Their search tools are like a seasoned guide helping you narrow down what you want. Land.com isn't just about buying and selling. It's about finding a place to hunt, fish, explore, or simply sit by a campfire and listen 
to the crickets. So head over to land.com today to turn one day into today. Because trust me, there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. That's one rare fish. Um, we know its fate. I'm going to move into another rare fish with um, a different fate, yet still mildly grizzly to a degree. Several people sent this story along, uh, as I knew they would as soon as I heard it on talk radio during a recent early morning drive. And, and way back, this going back months, we covered a story on Fish News about a woman making soup out of her pet koi fish, right? Um, this kicks the the eating your pet story up a notch, okay? So uh, <laughs> this one, it's all over the place. Story's all over, but I'm, I'm going to pull from Newsweek here. And, and this all centers around a viral TikTok video, and I'm going to mess this up. This is going to be my slippy slappy Samsonite. Nice. Uh, a viral TikTok video posted by at Mia Korniawan. Mia Korniawan 01. Okay. I'm never gonna I'm not gonna say it again for the rest of the time. So that was the one off. Okay. Um, and in it, in this video, we see her scaling, cleaning, and deep frying an arowana. Now, if you're not familiar with these fish, they look sort of like a tarpon with big round silver dollar scales. They got a big old mouth that can suck in a lot of air and water. Um, but the tail tapers almost to a point, real small tail. Most commonly, you'll see pictures of arowana from South America. In fact, I've caught them down there, not any particularly large ones, but I've caught a few down there. Mm -hmm. And they also inhabit certain waterways in South Florida, which, as we all know, are just dumping grounds for exotic non-native species. What okay? doesn't like, oh. inhabit a waterway in South Florida? <laughs> uh, not much anymore. And if you can dream it, you can find it down there if you fish long enough. Um, some of you, I'm sure, have also seen them in aquariums, perhaps in, in the, the token Amazon rainforest exhibit. They're the staple there. And in pet stores, right? So unlike those gator gar, <laughs> very common to see arowana in, in pet stores. Uh, the little ones are, are tank favorites. Now, the arowana in question, though, is not the common South American variety, but the rare Asian arowana. Ooh. And according to Newsweek, they are the most expensive aquarium fish on the planet. Now, I have not researched that in full. I guess I'll take their word for it. I would, I would, would have thought that there are rare saltwater species that would fetch higher prices, uh, but I guess not. Newsweek says that these arowana cost hundreds to tens of thousands of dollars, and it's rumored that one was once sold to a high-ranking Chinese Communist Party official for $300,000. Yeah, I mean, that's like, you know... 300, 300 large, 300K, that's that's a lot for any fish. But here's the crazy thing. It's not like some fish trapper or whatever has to like hang glide into a remote canyon surrounded by like lava flows to procure <laughs> them. They farm the damn things, right? They farm these arowana. Huh. Furthermore, it says that these farms, quote, are like high security prisons 
with concrete walls protected by guard dogs, watchtowers, and barbed wire. All right? But wait, because shit gets nuttier. It gets nuttier still. According to the story, buyers can then spend extra money to have cosmetic surgery done on their fish, including chin lifts and eye lifts, to enhance their beauty. I'm speechless, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So, so, I mean, in these things, they look just like a regular arowana, except that they're scales. They have like this really brilliant kind of burnt look, like bright burnt orange. So they're very, they're very pretty fish. Yeah. uh, I had actually debated picking this story up for, uh, for my fish news segment. And so I, I did some research into these fish and, I was reading about how there are like base colored ones, right? There's, you know, you yeah. have the red, the silver, and then you could have like designer uh, colors, uh-huh. like yeah. fire lily purple, or or you know, oh, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I no, know. I thought I, they were all orange. No, no, it's like there are not only like your standard red, orange, yellow, huh. silver. There are like nuanced uh colors that these collectors like really go after and those are like the ones that catch these like command these super high prices like uh chairman's three hundred thousand right (laughs) (laughs) so it's like do you want the toyota corolla with the roll-up windows in white mm -hmm. or yeah exactly you want the ferrari red yeah that makes that makes total sense that makes total sense i still think it's ridiculous but um yeah so there you go designer with chin lifts um anyway these asian arowana are so popular because they are believed to bring their owners prosperity and good fortune so was this tiktok user's pet arowana like a dud a lemon, perhaps, that she bought at, like, you know, Pete's <laughs> Discount Secondhand Arowanas or Us that brought zero prosperity. Is that why it took its final swim in peanut oil? No. Her husband refused to clean the tank. The tank in the home looked like shit. So she was like, okay, watch what happens now. That's brutal. And she <laughs> she cooked the dude's fish, right? <laughs> so that's, that's how the story is circulating, that it, this was, like, straight revenge. And it's much funnier that way. It's much funnier to be like, oh, you're not going to clean the tank? Then I'm going to cook that some bitch. But, okay, if you read the fine print, which nobody really is on this story, because this this was not in the in the radio news report. I heard nothing. It's like they just like slipped this in there hoping you won't notice. But what she said is she actually did clean the tank because she just couldn't take it anymore. She was tired of asking and just took matters into her own hands. But the fish got sick afterwards and died. And she said, quote, I thought it would be delicious. And I got to say, I believe that story because if you let a fish tank just sort of rot away, right, for too long, the fish can sometimes like adapt to the terrible pH level and whatnot. And if you just drastically go from borderline toxic to uber clean in a matter of 20 minutes, you can easily kill your fish that way. Like You can make it too clean. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you well, you believe that. I do not believe that story. You think it was straight vengeance? Yeah, dude. Yeah, man. <laughs> Who? I'll tell you what. I, I've had a fish tank as a kid, and I've seen yeah. my fair share of, you know, dead fish clinging to the filter. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, man. I don't think anybody's going to eat that fish. I, I, You would have to be a pretty bold person 
to see yeah. a dead fish floating in a fish tank and decide to repurpose it in such a way as this. Well, and that's and that's very fair. And this could this could ultimately be a lie. Like she could be saying that to try and make herself not look quite so vicious. Yeah. I'll give you that. But I mean, let's I don't know. Let's just say you had a walleye in a tank. It was your pet walleye. I think there's a difference between the fish dying and going belly up and like looking all white and like starting to fall mm-hmm. apart in there as you're describing. I think you'd be nuts to eat that. But like if you put it back in the tank and 20 minutes later it was just like clearly dead but fresh, would you eat it then? No, no, and here's here's how I know I wouldn't. I have been <laughs> like fishing on lakes and had an almost dead walleye. Right. You know, spotted. You know, you kind of see some. You're like, oh, is that a duck? What is that? You see it thrashing yeah, you see around. A fish like you, kicking around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah, yeah, you sure. go over to it, and it was like a nice, perfect eater size walleye. And I'm not one to turn my nose at an eater size walleye. Sure, but if I was not directly responsible for that thing going from, you know, here to beyond the mortal coil. I'm not going to eat that fish. So again, I think she's lying. That's fair. And that's a great debate point. Listeners, write in. If you found that walleye, we've all seen that where you just see a fish like kicking around, struggling for life on the surface, right? Do you take it or do you let it go? I tend to be on on your side in, in a lake. I will pick up a deer that I saw get hit by a car. Really? So, you, well, okay, you saw how it died. Fair enough. Anyway, the fried arowana, to me, looked much tastier than the koi soup. Um, and I, I, I had fish tanks for years, too, right? And here's a tip, if you're considering one. Put it in a high-traffic area or don't get one. Because I've found that if you squirrel a tank away, like in your finished basement or the spare bedroom or whatever, mm. stronger chance it's going to go to hell. Like my kids are begging for a new tank now, and I would love to provide that, but we just don't have a, a you know room in an area of the home that's high enough traffic that I will keep up with a solid cleaning regimen. It has to be someplace where it will bother you and be an eyesore if it turns to shit, um, you know, or it turns into algae soup, or else you just you, you it's it's very easy to just like ah I'll do it a couple days from now ah, I'll do it next week so. Part of me doesn't blame this woman because there's nothing worse than staring at 60 gallons of brown algae in a clog filter, like, you know, while you're trying to watch Below Deck Mediterranean. <laughs> I do love so, that show. Still, it's still harsh, though. I know we're almost out of time, but there is one thing worse than a uh, than a fish tank going to shit with algae, and that's a fish tank that actively tries to kill you and your entire family. Uh, do, do, you, do you got time for a story real quick, Joe? Yes. You can't say that and then not tell us what's up. When I was a kid, my brother got to looking at the Sharper Image catalog. and (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) And in this uh, Sharper Image catalog, there was this globular fish tank. Um, Okay. And and it was was like this huge – it was pretty cool. It was like this huge orb that was on a pedestal and, you know – any kid would want this. So my parents, I vaguely remember it. It was right next to like the massage chair and like the slippers. That, well, like, as is everything in a sharper image yeah. catalog. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, my parents broke down one Christmas and got him this fish tank and all was well and good. It stayed in his bedroom right by his window. And, you know, we'd go in there, we'd play with the fish. It, it, it was a cool fish tank. And yeah. one day I come home from school and I'm sitting there with my mother and there's like, all of a sudden we kind of smell something burning. And we start running around the house trying to figure out what the hell is going on. 
And the top floor of our house is just all full of smoke. Oh, God. And I open the door to my little brother's room, and his bed is on fire. What had happened? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) What had happened was as the sun started to move differently in the sky as the season progressed, it came through the window. And just one day after months of this fish tank being there, it had just reached the tipping point where it had been going through that tank in such a concentrated way for such an amount of time that it had focused a beam onto his mattress and lit his bed on fire. That's frightening. Yeah. That is... That is not what I expected you. I was waiting for like a, a short in the filter or something. No, nope. that's frightening, dude. No, nope. and uh, I'm pretty sure that's why you don't see those fish tanks anymore because the Samick family sued the shit out of the sharper image. <laughs> no, we did not. Uh, the fire department came and they marched right up to my little brother's room, <laughs> took the fish tank and dumped it on the fire and left. <laughs> <laughs> They didn't even use water from their own tank. They just dumped your fish out on the blaze. Yep. Oh my god, that's that that is terrific. Oh man, that was really good. That was very surprising. I love that. Uh, but anyway, Phil, we have to move on to Phil here. Phil's got to focus his beams on um, one of these two stories and decide who uh, is going to take it this week. When we are done, we're going to hear another story of a different fish that brings good luck and prosperity from our man, River Horse. He's going to help you chill out and relax with a little sagely wisdom. Sports fans, this one is for you. And he is actually talking about a real carp buried in the dirt. Microchemistry is another technique at our disposable. I'm sucking today. Coke or Koch, you think? I'm going to say it's Koch. Microchemistry is another technique at our disposal. Dude, I've been chasing roosters too much, man. I got like on the mind. The Phil, uh... leave that in. No, please do not leave that in. Microchemistry is another technique. Joe, you're the winner. It's important to have some things in life that you feel bring the mojo. Our story today reminds me of a time when River Horse went fishing with his good old Texas buddy, J.T. Van Zandt. J.T. is a beautiful soul and one of those people I hold sacred in my life. On this day, I stepped on his raft holding a triple espresso and a giant banana. JT howled at the moon, don't you dare get on that boat, River Horse. But it was too late. He said, oh, shit. I hopped in the front of the raft with a badass six-weight, and by the time we'd gone around the first bend in the river, stuck a four-pound bass on topwater. JT looked at me with a big old grin and said, we're gonna need some more bananas. Sometimes the things you believe in come true. Other times, maybe you want to take a look at the big picture. And now, on to our story, Lucky Streak. The carp was a few inches under my left foot since I was pitching from the stretch. Two out, 
with a rowdy hot dog fueled home crowd, runners on both corners, and us leading seven to six. Shit, shit, shit. If there was any mojo in that carp, I'd need it. Their catcher was at the plate. He had a razor blade earring, was about 280 pounds of thundering lard, and wore a showstopper mullet that reached past the numbers on the back of his jersey. I had called off the breaking ball twice, and Coach called timeout, looking pissed as could be as he stalked to the mound. What the hell is the problem, gentlemen? asked Coach. Coach, I think a curveball is not really the answer here, I shared. Look at me, said Coach. When I call for a curveball, I expect you to shut up and throw a curveball. Do you understand? So throw it. And if he hits that pitch, your ass is mine on a silver platter. There's nothing like the crack of the bat, is there? That sound when you really connect and your shoulders and hips just flat out drive the thing. That moment when all of us crane our necks to the sky in symphonic unison to see the damage done. I stood on the carp and watched as our center fielder made an on-the-fly catch at the fence. My tailbone would live for another day. Thank you, carp. As for coach, I let all the air out of his front tires at midnight. I was on the way to catch a few more carp for the outfield. And that's our sagely wisdom story for today. What's that, you ask? My baseball career? Well, I did get a signed Christmas card from Lasorda and all the Dodgers, but instead I opted to go to a Division I school and play water polo. And that turned out just fine. We even beat Notre Dame in the Midwest Championships. 13 to 12 in overtime. My rule is always choose things in the water over land. I hope all of you are feeling lucky after that. And just know, I believe in you. I will see you out there along the path, my brothers and sisters. It's funny to me that Old River Horse brought up how carp are considered lucky because on that last episode of Dos Boat Northeast, you got lucky with a carp. Remember this? And sadly, th- this did not make the final cut, uh, but there is photographic evidence. Uh, I just have to add, uh, it was also swiftly beaten by an Omen Black baitcaster in concept. A3 baitcaster from our beloved sponsors, 13 Fishing, just saying their bass gear hurts a lot more than bass. Dos Boat proved that with stripers and cobia and catfish and Ross's Lucky Carp. Was it lucky, Joe? I thought it was terrific. I was very sad that it didn't make the final episode. We had those pile of catfish there, and then and then right there in the middle of it, there's Ross with it with a giant giant goldfish. Yeah, that was entertaining. Um, <laughs> me just being there was entertainment for you. Yeah, <laughs> well, and fun fact, by the way, the carp uh, in question ate one of the cherry garlic hot dogs we were soaking for Channel Cats uh, in the second half of that show. So, carp guys, keep that secret in your back pocket. Um, but t- I got to say, man, taking you out for Channel Cats was so much fun for me because when you're when you're in the walleye zone, like when you're doing your thing, man, you are laser focused and dialed. 
but take you out for catfish. And I, I found it slightly awkward. Yeah, Joe, you could probably remove slightly from that statement and we'd be more accurate. <laughs> I remember you saying, I, it was like, I, I'm holding this catfish like a loaf of bread. Like you were like two hand holding it like Wonder Bread straight up and down. Um, it would have made a great photo for our awkward moments and angling segment, which we're about to end the show with today. But I got to tell you, uh, now I'm nervous uh, because you have a knack. You're very good at like messing with people and like and like shredding some people. And I warn the listeners, right, that some of my guest hosts may not be as empathetic <laughs> as Miles when it came to awkward moments and angling. But we're we're gonna give it a shot. Are you excited? I feel like I'm being kind of set up a little bit, to be honest. Why don't you take a picture of the last longer? <laughs> so I've said this before, uh, but it never ceases to amaze me how willing people are to get shredded. And we get so many awkward photo submissions from people just dying to get torn up. And most of the time I'm kind of like, eh, there's not that much to shred there. But I got a photo from Caden Kimberlin. And instantly I was like, I feel kind of bad, but this is what the guy wants. You know what I mean? Like, like he, wa he wants this. He's asking for this. Do you want me to tell you on this one? You shouldn't feel bad. And I'm going to tell you why in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not going to go where you think I'm going to go with this. I'm going to I'm going to bring up a little old school thing. Me and you did a smallmouth show together a long time ago and we caught some giants, right? Yes. And and me and you are each holding up I dude, don't press me with this, but we, we had fish in the 6 to push in 7 pound range. We're each holding yes. one up, we get a picture yes. with it. Yeah. You use it as a lead in for something and then people put a picture below which I don't understand and they're like you like that? How about this, boys? And it's like a 17-inch smallmouth. Uh, and yeah. I'm like, yeah. I, I don't understand sometimes people's like, like, dude, this is a 7-pound smallmouth. You're holding up a 2.5-pounder. Like, uh, what? Okay. Like, I, I feel like in this picture, if I can just jump right into this. No, you can't jump right into it because I'm going to say more about it first because I want to set this up a little more. But as predicted, you are going full bore, which I knew you would, and I think it's going to be good. Right? I think it's going to be good, or at least – for us, maybe not for Caden. Uh, but I, I got to add, part of the reason I feel so bad, Caden, Caden's a youngster. I'm going to say late teens, maybe 20. Caden, if you're older than that, good for you because you don't look a day over 14. Uh, but Caden recently got into fly fishing, and to do so, he picked up, as he, he put it, he pointed out, a Walmart special combo, which is impressive because there are no fly combos in the Walmarts where I live. I haven't seen one in years. Now, I have to point out um, that the fact alone that this is a fly photo Somebody also, probably just left that there. Right. <laughs> they didn't actually buy it. It was just in the dumpster inside the Walmart by the Slurpee machine. As I was about to say, you're probably also rolling your eyes because I know you hate everything about fly fishing. Not everything, just the whole premise. <laughs> okay. Oh, God. All right. So, all right. So, this... <laughs> So this is a pretty tight shot, all right? I'm just going to keep going here because I, you're, you're, that's why we love you. Um, pretty tight <laughs> shot, just waist up on Caden. And in his left hand, he's holding a smallmouth bass by the lip vertically. And you just brought up, you know, the guy with the 17-incher. I would call it slightly, maybe a pound, pound and a half. Legitimately, what do you think it is? Probably 14 inches. I mean, okay. look at the size of his hand. Unless uh, Screech here has got bigger mitts than I think he does. <laughs> Great. How 
how did I know? This is going to be like your favorite part of the whole show. All right, so so in his right hand, so he's got the smallie vertical in his left. In his right hand, he's holding his Walmart special fly rod horizontally. Um, and the fish and the rod create like a perfectly symmetrical L shape in front of him. And we've joked in this segment before about how people feel the need to get a fly rod in the shot so everyone knows that it was caught on the fly. But Caden made no attempt to make this look natural. In fact, the rod is being held in such a way, with reverence, I would say, that he seems almost as proud of the rod as the fish. Yeah, I mean, it's better, though, than the dude that, like, puts it around his neck. You, you think know, like so? That. Yeah, I, I kind of do. that Because I just, yeah, you know, maybe it's because I'm so anti-fly guy. But Well, whoever the first guy was that thought of that was pretty damn smart. The problem is that everybody does it now, and that's just another way of... of, of trying to make the fly rod look natural. Right. You know I, I, mean? I feel like Caden, who I'm going to refer to as Screech from here on out, I feel like um, Screech is like the kid that like got pushed in the locker and he did it on purpose because he liked it. Like, that's the look I got here. You know what I mean? Okay. Okay. All right. All right. So I'll say this. I can look past the rod and the fish display. Uh, the thing I cannot look past on Caden, I will continue, I will respectfully keep calling him Caden. The thing I cannot look past uh, is Caden's shirt. Now, it's a button-down fishing shirt, which is fine. I'm a big fan of those myself. But the best way I can describe the print on this shirt is wallpaper from a Vegas motel, like off the strip, circa 1976. That's what it looks like from a distance. But if you zoom in, then you'll realize the pattern is is like a mashup of reeds and ducks on ponds and these bright oranges and subtle purples and you're like okay i meant to say shitty fishing motel on lake vermilion circa 1978 like i was just off slightly you know i i what i saw when i you know first glance because that's what you got to do in these like what do you see right out of the gate i see he was at that same walmart and right next to the slurpee machine where he got that rod out of the dumpster there was there was a Hawaiian shirt sale for ninety nine cents, and then somebody hit him with a paintball gun a couple times, <laughs> <laughs> and then he had all of his Slayer and Megadeth shirts in the, in the laundry, and so he's like, "Mom, where's my freaking shirt, man?" Well, that may be true, and I'm gonna tell you why because Caden sent me multiple photos, right? So he gave me roast options. He's like, "You could shred any one of these, right? They are all taken on different dates." But he is wearing this shirt in every single one. So clearly, this is dude's fishing shirt. This is the the designated fishing shirt. I mean, I can get behind that. I can get behind that. I can get behind. Yeah, I mean, you know. And, I guess. and even, even you know the cheap rod thing, that doesn't I mean, I'm fine with that. I think it's I think when he took that picture though, he was he he's a goofy dude. Like he he was looking for a little bit of entertainment out of this. Unlike Maybe. the people who are serious. So I, I don't really have a problem with Screech, to be honest with you, because the guys that are like posting the 14 inches, like, yeah, how about this, bro? And they're serious about it. Oh, like, it's not him. He's genuinely happy. Like, yeah, he's, yeah. Having, he's having he's having fun with this. He is. But I think we also have to talk about the expression on his face, because it's it is 100 percent an expression of over the top, pure joy. It's just subsequently, he looks like one of those clowns at the carnival, like you shoot the water in their mouth until the balloon pops. I mean, like, that's the expression on his face. I see a combination of a wax statue and a guy that got goosed by somebody that wasn't supposed to be goosing. <laughs> oh, my God. You're all going to get to see this on Instagram this week. So you can you can tell me, <laughs> Carnival Clown or someone who just got goosed. Does Joe or Ross win that one? I don't know. Uh, but Caden, 
You asked for it, so you got it, and you got it from none other than the 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 the, the masterful shredder that is Captain <laughs> Ross Robertson. Um, but listen, man, despite us, we're having a little fun at your expense, which again, you wanted, right? I also know because you told me that that smallie was the first good fish you stuck on a fly. So congrats on that. I mean that. And even as Ross suggested, dude, keep waving that Walmart special, man. Don't let anyone tell you you need anything better to get it done on the water because you don't. Maybe just find a plain shirt and a nice salmon or azul pattern or something. Um, hey, if, if you got a photo of you or uh, your buddy that you want to roast, okay? Keep them coming to bent at com. Maybe they will just end up here, and maybe I will bring Ross back, especially to extra heavy shred your photo. I feel like I could have a job opening here. That is all the time we have for this week. If you're trying to gauge whether or not you're too close to the angler next to you, remember, you are, if you can see the pattern on his wallpaper shirt, smell the Zima on his breath while he's standing next to his spinning prop, or if you can count the scales on the carp he's burying for good luck. However, if Ross Robertson rolls up too close to you in his boat, you should probably just leave, because that's the big dog. That's solid advice, because I have big friends like Big Head. <laughs> you got all kinds of muscle. Knuckles, get the handbag. Ross needs to get rid of this guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. <laughs> but this did. This has been a lot of fun. It always is with you. Uh, I appreciate you being here, man. Um, and if you haven't seen episode six of Das Boat Northeast, go watch that some bitch because it's a good one. If you uh, don't have a Degenerate Angler sticker on your bank bucket, keep using those Degenerate Angler and Bent Podcast hashtags on the Instagram. If I repost something you tag, you get stickered. If I use a voice memo on the show, you get mega swag. So keep those along with Selbin items, bar nominations, and awkward photos coming to bent at com. And finally, if you're trying to pick the perfect shade for that ginger merkin you're ordering, Ross can help. Hey, everybody knows Weber Grills. I've been using Weber Grills my whole life, and check it out. They got a pellet grill, the Weber Searwood Pellet Grill. Now, with a pellet grill, you can smoke, roast, and sear on the same grill. You can go from low and slow, okay, on smoke boost mode, or crank this thing all the way to a heat sear at 600 degrees. It's got a full great sear zone so you can put more food on the flame. Get fired up for your new Weber Searwood pellet grill. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins.